Hello, welcome to DAVCAT 43 Fights Fascism. Thanks for tuning in. I'm back online because I've found the article I was referencing and wanted to share some of it out loud. This is important information to have circulating because it reveals a pattern of behavior on Trump's part that is very illustrative of the pattern of behavior that he has brought to the White House and to the wider world. Because yes, the wider world is extremely negatively affected by Trump instigating an unnecessary trade tariff war. The, the wider world is negatively affected by uh, Trump appeasing Putin and his Putin plans for uh, global conquest, for Putin's plan to weaken the EU and be able to acquire which of those neighboring, whichever of those neighboring countries he sets his little black heart on. So yes, racism in the US that has opened the door to Donald Trump is the concern of every responsible adult in the wider world, which is why I put as a headline, responsible adults uh, reject ill-founded racial superiority constructs. And I firmly believe that to be true. And the evidence for it being true is the gleefulness of uh, Trump's rally attenders who were primarily white and the violence with which they attack specifically black protesters. And I saw a video compilation today of footage of white Americans pushing black American protesters during the civil rights movement. Uh, and there was an overlay of Trump's voice describing the good old days when people would uh, not hesitate to smash protesters, when protesters could be carried out on a stretcher, etc. And this was all juxtaposed next to footage of African-Americans being carried away on stretchers, being uh, punched by those pretending to defend law and order, but they were really uh, defending white superiority. They were really defending uh, their worldview of black people being subjected to second-class citizen status. And the number of Americans who still feel unfairly treated if black people are given access to uh, some of the privileges of uh, white society, if they're given affirmative action to help them uh, create a supportive presence in the world of business or academia, etc., then white people here, or racist white people, the subset of white people who are susceptible to these type of arguments, hear this being reported on Fox News as a detriment to white people. So it's not really det a detriment, it's sharing. It's called sharing power. But those people who fear losing power uh, and who fear Old Testament vengeance from black people whose ancestors were enslaved by white Americans, uh, that's problematic for them. That builds up into an anxiety for them, a, a racially motivated anxiety and a racially motivated determination to vote for somebody like Trump and to celebrate somebody like Trump in power and to be so excited, so caught up in the uh, implied shared omnipotence of somebody like Trump who who has freed himself from uh, rational worldviews, who has freed himself from everything but uh, the emotional need to validate racists and make racists in America love and adore him because they feel made whole. Their worldviews are validated and their 
proprietal nature towards America, their proprietal feelings towards America, that they own it, uh, are validated by Trump and his announcements and his actions. So the fact that he's prepared to override American law, the fact that he's prepared to sabotage American um, historical cactus uh, growths in on the Texan-Mexican border so that he can announce he's building new wall. Uh, so they're really focusing on that. And yes, DEJ the pastor is an account making the comment that Trump rallies are basically white supremacist meetings. Indeed. And because the whole concept of race uh, is created by racists who are arbitrarily trying to divide us, I'm going to use the phrase, well, I'm going to see if it fits well, the phrase uh, arbitrary racial constructs. Destructive and arbitrary racial constructs. I'm going to work on it until I find something handy uh, that fits well, that has appeal. Ideally, I would be able to find some simple language to use it, to phrase this. But in the meantime, that's my intention. Oh, did I press record? I did. I am simultaneously recording the audio from this as a podcast uh, in the hope that that will make it convenient for some people who, who might want to listen on the run or as they're driving. So indeed, Paul just asked the question, how can empty vessels be made whole? And if you start with a faulty premise about human society and human communities, how can you be made whole without unpacking all of your errors, which is a very psychologically painful thing to do? And it requires humility. So we promote humility. So I'm going to try and fight Trump by talking about my own learning journey and how I've come from a background where I was completely oblivious to so many historical patterns. So, for an example, um, my paternal great-grandfather was part of colonialism in India and he was a magistrate covering a large uh, area. And I presumed he was a good person or that he at least believed he was doing a good thing. I can still see how people believe they're doing good things even as they participate in something bad. So I guess I have that angle into it, people can still rationalize their activity and the systems in which they operate. Uh, but I got in trouble at university for saying that with colonialism, I could see that some people might have believed in their own good intentions. I didn't know it at the time, but later that evening, as I was sitting next to a very attractive young man uh, of Asian background, and noticing that the distance between us where we were sitting next to each other seemed to be getting smaller and smaller. And I was thinking, wow, this is this very attractive man might be making a move on me or facilitating some type of uh, romantic involvement. Uh, I was approached by a young woman who said, I heard about what she said at lunchtime today. You're a racist and proceeded to harangue me for what felt like an age. <laughs> and she was right in that I was ignorant and showing my ignorance of the destruction caused by colonialism. And uh, I looked down at the gap between me and the attractive young man and the gap uh, was getting bigger again. So he was uh, subtly shifting away from me, uh, whether consciously or not. And that, that girl <laughs> appeared to have ruined my chances, which is all fine. I'm happily married now to a lovely, lovely man. 
But that evening I was sad and I didn't really understand what was going on, but I understand so much more now how people would be upset and pained by anybody publicly defending the motivations of colonialists. And I'll add to that by saying I now know that millions of Indians starved to death as a consequence of uh, William uh, Winston Churchill uh, diverting food resources, agricultural production, agricultural produce from India to send to soldiers in fighting and war fronts in Europe. So people think, oh, we sacrificed at home in the UK to help out the soldiers. The real people who were involuntarily sacrificing were millions of Indian parents watching their children suffer and die and themselves suffering and dying, but just a little bit more um, protractedly. And imagine that. Imagine the fact that so few of us know of this famine in induced, artificially induced famine in India. And so few of us know that we owe our safety and security and our defeat of fascism to the unintended and involuntary sacrifice of, of the people of India, millions of whom starved under Winston Churchill's uh, misappropriation of Indian food. And I say Indian food without saying Indian cultural cuisine. I mean specifically crops grown in India that would habitually have been sold to Indian people being instead effectively stolen and sent to feed soldiers, to feed allied soldiers in the battlegrounds of Europe during World War II. So when we realise that we have all that debt on our consciences and none of us can say, oh, well, thank you for your sacrifice, Indian pe people of India, because they didn't intend to make that sacrifice. Uh, so a commentator named Champagne, hello, is saying, you're glad I went towards the path of being in information rather than uh, you've seen many others go down the reactionary path, i.e. people exposed to... Uh, to self-defending, self-justifying colonialism who then just ramp up their defences and say, no, 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 colonialism's great, might is right, etc. It is not responsible in this period, of, in this time, to say might is right anymore because, well, not that it ever was, but it's particularly self-destructive now, not only to people of colour but to all people. Uh, to disregard what's happening to the poorest communities is just to disregard the fact that it's happening to them first, but they are the vanguard, they are the canaries. If it's happening to them and we cheerfully ignore it, it will still happen to the rest of us and we will have lost our chance to save ourselves out of a misdirected smugness at the fact that ill fates befell um, people of colour first. Somebody's asked me to tell Bibi, and I will point out that Bibi is currently under indictment. Bibi meaning the, um, the leader of Israel, who is currently under indictment for corruption and fraud, etc. So yes, he oppresses the Palestinian people, dispossesses them from their homes, builds illegal settlements, and ramps up his building of illegal settlements under a green light from Trump, who will facilitate any dictator and oppressor around the world, provided... Uh, they like him, say nice things about him, fill his pockets, stay at his hotels, loan his son-in-law money and keep quiet about whatever illicit electoral help 
they helped him cheat the American people with in both the 2016 election and the upcoming 2020 election. If you're talking about uh, Benjamin Netanyahu trying to create an ethnostate, yes, and he's publicly announced that he wants Israel to be an ethnostate. There are laws passed to facilitate Israel being an ethnostate, which legally dispossesses uh, Israelis of Arab background and Muslim background. So yes, I add Netanyahu to the list of dictators and, and tyrants who have helped Trump, who Trump appears to be beholden to. So Erdogan, the uh, dictator president of Turkey, Putin, the dictator president of Russia. Uh, he's friendly to Duterte, the dictator president of the Philippines, who may have some popular support, but who co-opts the police force to essentially extrajudicially murder uh, drug users in the Philippines or accused drug users or drug sellers. Ah, and also, yes, Bolsonaro from Brazil. Let's add that to the list of dictators who undermine the public good by advancing a pro-corporate anti-people agenda. And white people or whoever's in power might celebrate saying, yes, when corporations are helped, then we all benefit. But the opposite is actually true because at this point in history, if you allow corporations to operate without uh, appropriate checks and balance or without sufficient regulation, then we are all drinking poison and inhaling poison and we are all uh, jeopardizing or part of a system that's jeopardizing our ability to eat food in the relatively near future. Right now we might have supermarkets full of produce but the increases in temperature and the increases in uh, severe weather events do threaten the stability of our food supply. So we can't be surprised. We can't put ourselves in a position when we are surprised by upcoming disruptions to the global food chain. Uh, we need to start paying attention to that now if we have any hope of creating a functional society or at least facilitating the maintenance of a functioning civilization, functioning set of societies for our children to inhabit in the decade to come. Yes, Trump snubs Trudeau, Merkel and Macron, somebody points out. Bibi has actually said that Hitler did not hate Jews but was rather fooled by the Muslim world to grow after Jews. Oh, well, I'm not surprised that Bibi would say that um, because it's in his interest to cultivate, cultivate um, scapegoating and demonization of a Muslim population. But at the same time, I agree in that I don't, I think Hitler was capitalizing on low public support for Jewish people in the first place. The same as Trump doesn't necessarily have to hate Muslim people. He just doesn't care about them. I mean, sorry, Mexican people or Muslim people. He doesn't see them as uh, worthy of consideration if they stand in the way of him using their bodies as political capital. Uh, denigrating them on purpose to build excitement and irrational enthusiasm amongst a rabid base who are already predisposed towards disliking and blaming groups of others. Uh, yes, so that's my point about that. Uh, I will just check and see if there's anything else I wanted to say before going 
I did want to read out loud a little bit uh, by um, reading from this article called Saving Face, how Donald Trump silenced the people who could expose his business failures. How did Donald Trump, a self-serving promoter who lost billions of dollars for his investors, convince the world that he is a financial genius? It wasn't just by fabricating tales of his success. It was also by bullying and silencing people who could have stopped those deceits, particularly reporters and Wall Street analysts, forcing all but a very few into a conspiracy of silence. These tactics, which form a core element of his politics, were something I saw him hone firsthand in the 80s and 90s as Trump's company was imploding. So this is an article by Jonathan Greenberg, who worked for Forbes and who wrote this expose, which is very critical to understanding Trump's pattern of success with this particular methodology. Lying about his success and bullying people who can expose him into silence. Bullying and conscripting people to conceal his pattern of failures, his repeat pattern of failures. We need to keep this behavior in mind and how long it has existed, even as we condemn his patterns of um, praising his base, whipping them up into uh, a very validated emotional state of excitement by telling them how wonderful they are and falsely promoting his success to the rest of America so that half of Americans are deluded about the state of the economy. Half of Americans are not registering the flashing red lights about the economy in the year to come, that the manufacturing sector is in recession, that the farming sector is in recession and propped up by $28 billion worth of public money. Uh, socialism for farmers. I should write that down so we use that expression. Because it's okay to have a safety net, but socialism for farmers is being used to help blind America to Trump's economic mismanagement because it's papering over Trump's failures on the trade war, that he has sabotaged farmers' trade relationships and trade partnerships with their buyers. All right, so back to the Jonathan Greenberg article. He writes, I was the lead real estate wealth estimator for the Forbes 400 list in its early years. Trump called me twice in 1984, posing as his fictional VP of finance, John Barron, and professing the kind of riches that ought to land him on the list, despite failing to document them. So when a New York Times expose last month showed that Trump had lost 1.1 billion between 1985 and 1994, I looked back at my archives and began calling old colleagues to compare these figures with what Trump was telling journalists three decades ago. First, I turned up three never-before-published letters from Trump to Forbes in 1989, in which he claimed to be worth $3.7 billion. We now know that he reported losses of $100 million that year and that he was treading near insolvency. Then I started to contact other people who had collided with Trump in those years. Journalists told me how he tried to block their reporting on his empire by making up ethical scandals about them, furnishing fake documents, and in one case, 
threatening to expose the private life of a closeted media executive. Wall Street analysts witnessed a campaign of intimidation that began when Trump got one of them fired for correctly doubting his casino's ability to pay off their debts. Even while he was suffering those tremendous financial setbacks, and precisely because he was suffering those setbacks, these efforts show Trump in the desperate act of spinning a mythology about himself, rich, that would sweep aside the facts, broke. And he did it by imperiling the livelihoods of his doubters, silencing them and inducing a chilling effect in both the press and among the very people who are supposed to protect investors from terrible gambles like Trump's businesses. If this self-promotional scheme had failed, Trump would never have become a reality TV starring symbol of business acumen. He would have skulked off into anonymity or ignominy, just another failed real estate developer and speculator. Instead, he fooled the world. So there, I think that's a very important article to share. And I'm going to go now and share it on YouTube as well in the hope that people will see it. I'm making the opportunity for people to engage with the true story of Trump's business failures and how that he bribed and extorted his way out of accurate reporting on it. Because Americans can get fooled some of the time, but they don't like to get fooled all of the time. And provided they can, or people who are less racist, have the ability to step back and go, okay, perhaps we're getting fooled again now. Perhaps the stock market is getting fooled because Trump's businesses were sustained on the fact that he could continue to get fresh investment in his businesses, fresh investors waiting to be duped and bilked of their funds because of a failure of reporting, of of sufficient reporting. So now we have more obstacles in the way of getting the truth out in that we have to work past the rabid devotion of racists who are gleefully excited by Trump promises to uh, defeat their enemies. Trump's false characterizations of Democrats as baby killers. So that age-old um, that age-old propaganda technique of tell tell your compatriots that Belgians are that um, Belgians are stabbing babies. No way that Nazis are stabbing bayoneting. Belgian, oh no, it was before Nazis, sorry, that World War I German soldiers were bayonetting babies, which they weren't. They were doing bad things, but when you want to hype people up so that they get all in with you, you tell them that babies are being killed. And Trump tells them that Democrats are purposely killing babies uh, rather than, you know, women are exercising some family limitation procedures because their contraception has failed. No, it becomes this live born babies are being killed in the moments after birth, which is not true, which is a lie. Uh, Babies who are born without the capacity to sustain life are put into palliative care circumstances with their parents and doctors so that end of life decisions can be made thoughtfully for babies who um, are dying so that they don't die in great pain. You don't just have to be dumb to believe that. You have to be conditioned by a religion. You have to be already interested in suspending your critical faculties when you listen to religious leaders. So people in parts of the Catholic Church, people in white evangelical Christian communities, etc., have already a great deal of practice in suspending critical examination of facts. 
So when they're told that Democrats kill babies, they just need to be given a tiny data point like them saying that uh, they're passing a bill that will enable women to have uh, access to an abortion even in the last trimester if that's what they need just because Dems don't want life to be so difficult for women facing really difficult medical decisions if their child has been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or some something similar to that in its final trimester, uh, then, then yes, they abuse that as propaganda to say, look at the Dems killing children. And when people talk about palliative care for babies born without the ability to sustain life, then Republican disinformation agents seize on that and say, look, the, the Dems are, are out to kill babies. And Trump says, look, the Dems are out to kill babies. Knowing the effect that that has on people, it suspends their ability to think rationally. It propels them, if already susceptible to Trump propaganda, it propels them into an all-in, guns-out, um, start to build bombs against your enemies, uh, civil war, type emotional responses to, to partisan questions. Yes, if you killed a baby that's been born, would be murder, and murder is not legal, uh, and doctors offer palliative care treatment to babies, and even babies that are born after failed abortion attempts, there's already legislation to cover the born, I think it's called the born alive legislation passed in like 2002 or something. All right, chaps, I go. Thanks for listening. I'm going off to YouTube now, I promise, I swear. And uh, please follow me there if you are interested. Thank you. Bye.